I'm Dickie Hargis with R&D Farms in Hemp Hill, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, another record cattle on feed report was released last week, showing record numbers of cattle in feedlots for the month of June. We'll take a closer look at the report coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of recovery work is still ahead for the AgriLife facilities near Vernon. But despite the damage done by last month's tornado, crop research is continuing there. I'm James Hunt, and we'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Major issues and challenges facing farmers and ranchers are shared with food bloggers, chefs, and others on social media from some of Texas' largest cities. During ag stops southwest of Houston in one of the state's major agricultural counties. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Informal comments filed recently, 11 farm groups encouraged the Securities Exchange Commission to amend its proposed rule regarding climate disclosures. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We set another monthly record for the number of cattle in feedlots last month, according to Friday's USDA Cattle on Feed report. USDA Livestock Analyst Shale Shagum looks at the numbers. The number of cattle on feed on June 1st was just over 11.8 million head, which was about 1% above a year ago, and the highest June 1st inventory number since the series began in 1996. During May... Just under 1.9 million head of cattle were placed on feed, which was about 2% below a year ago. During May, feedlots marketed just over 1.9 million head, which was about 2% above a year ago. However, there was one additional slaughter day in May this year compared to last year. And when you make that adjustment, you are talking about a marketing number, which is about 2.5% below a year ago. Shagum says there were big numbers of lighter weight cattle going into the feedlots thanks to drought. It implies that conditions are still sufficiently poor in much of the country that you are being forced to put cattle into feedlots probably a little bit earlier than expected. The fact that you don't have a whole lot of heavier weight cattle to be placed uh, could be implying that we are looking at these tighter supplies of cattle. We'll find out more about the tightening numbers of cattle in the country coming up in next month's biannual cattle inventory report. 
The Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act passed the Senate Agriculture Committee last week despite opposition from the nation's largest cattle group. Ethan Lane is vice president of government affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He says there are several parts of the bill that NCBA approves of, but they do not welcome the idea of the federal government becoming involved with a cattle price mandate. Our concerns with that bill continue to be the heavy-handed government mandate that is intended to direct how packers acquire cattle, but in reality will be a mandate on how our producers market cattle. And government intervention in the marketplace telling producers how to run their businesses is not something cattle producers are interested in. Lane says the vast majority of producers have voiced their opinions about the bill. The preponderance of evidence and voices out there saying, please don't do this. This is not right for the industry. And you kind of get that Washington knows best mentality from a few of those senators trying to push this agenda forward. You know, we're hopeful that once it leaves the Ag Committee, now it's the business of the full Senate. Should they choose to take it up? There are a lot of cattle state senators that did not have a voice in that Senate Ag Committee conversation on both sides of the aisle that have substantial concerns with these bills. And I'm pretty confident that the leadership on both sides of the aisle will be hearing from those senators in the coming days. CBA's Ethan Lane. A lot of recovery work is still ahead for the tornado-damaged AgriLife facility in Vernon. But James Hunt tells us crop research is continuing there. It's going to be a while before the operations at the Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon are fully restored. In fact, it probably won't be until the fall of 2023 that everything is up and running again. But Dr. Rick Veerling, the director of the AgriLife Center at Vernon and manager of the AgriLife Foundation Seed Program, says the recovery from the May 4th tornado is coming along fairly well, and he's especially pleased by the rapid response of AgriLife administrators in College Station. We have funds set up to purchase replacement equipment. Our general contractor, they're on top of it. They have their subcontractors and design people working and we're going to probably within, I think, two weeks maybe, we'll start putting up temporary walls and ceilings around foundation seed so that we can clean foundation wheat seed, right? I believe we're 100% finished with our wheat harvest, and we've put our summer crops in. So, you know, that's good. Even with the tornado and all the extra work, we were able to get all our wheat harvested, and we were to get all our summer crops planted for seed. And Dr. Veerling says the researchers at the Vernon facilities are even beginning a new endeavor as a just-received USDA grant is providing funding for work involving the legumes known as temporary beans. They're produced in Arizona and New Mexico, and we'd like to bring that over to Texas and expand the uh, market. I'm really excited about it because it's not a new market. It's expanding an existing market. So we look forward to developments on that temporary bean project, as any new crop our farmers are able to grow can be another source of revenue. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Urban food bloggers are learning more about the food and fiber production system here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Jimmy Ropolo. He is general manager of United Ag Cooperative Incorporated based in El Campo. Jimmy, a large group of food bloggers, chefs, and others working with social media from urban centers of Texas gathered recently in southeast Texas. Why is it important for you to share your message with them? 
Well, uh, the thing that worries me is that I hear that, you know, when I look at the statistics, we have 19% of our acres in agricultural production here in the state of Texas. Wharton County is the number one or two county in dollars of agriculture production in the state year in and year out and uh, what scares me more than anything is of course we're trying to keep these guys in production and uh, we have about 1100 members but i worry about the acres that are covered up with solar panels right now that will never be in production again we've got about right close to 20,000 acres in the last three years here in warren county some of the best farmland in the state of texas being covered up with solar panels and that was part of your message to the folks here in attendance what else did you tell them Yes, sir. We talked about what some of the things that our producers face, high prices, high fertilizer prices, the cost of the crop, and the drought that we're seeing right today in this area. Our corn crop is devastated right now, and our cotton crop is in big jeopardy also. Why, Jimmy, is it important for people in the urban uh, centers of Texas to know about agriculture? Well, the main thing I see is is the fact that we need to be able to produce our own food right now. You can see what, what food prices have done, things we can't control. We need to produce all the food we can right here in the United States and, and, and take care of ourselves. And that, that worries me so much right now. That is Jimmy Ropolo with United Ag Cooperative in El Campo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Informal comments filed recently, 11 farm groups encouraged the Securities Exchange Commission to amend its proposed rule regarding climate disclosures. Michael Clements has more from Washington. The American Farm Bureau Federation and 10 other agriculture groups submitted comments to the Securities Exchange Commission late last week regarding its proposed climate disclosure rule. Andrew Walmsley, AFBF Senior Director of Government Affairs, says the groups provided technical documents outlining concerns and recommendations. Traditionally, SEC is concerned about large companies that you would associate with Wall Street. But what the SEC has proposed through the Scope 3 reporting requirements could touch every farmer and rancher in this country as it's requiring those large companies to report emissions from suppliers from downstream and upstream. And that would capture many small, medium and large farmers. Walmsley says the rule would require burdensome record keeping as well as create liability concerns and data privacy concerns. We don't think the SEC, when they proposed this rule, really thought through the implications and costs and burdens that would be put on rural America. And so we're encouraging them through this rulemaking process to reevaluate this rule and take our concerns to heart and propose a better rule that provides information that's useful to shareholders, but it does not create undue burdens on agriculture. The comments include a list of recommendations that better serve farmers and ranchers. So our technical comments laid out some options for the agency, the easiest of which would be to scrap the Scope 3 idea. We will continue to engage with SEC as they work through this rulemaking and encourage farmers and ranchers to reach out to their members of Congress. Those folks are ultimately accountable to the American public and have oversight with the SEC. Encourage your voice to be shared with your member of Congress or U.S. Senator. Learn more at FB.org. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Over a million dollars has been pledged to help monarch butterflies. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And we all worry about sunburn in the Texas heat, but it can also affect our pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We all worry about sunburn in this tough Texas heat, but did you know it can also affect our pets? Dr. Bob Judd says white-colored pets are most at risk. Dr. Carol Hillhouse from Panhandle, Texas, indicates at TexVet Pets that if you have a white pet that spends time outside, you should be concerned about sunburn. Dr. Hillhouse is a member of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association, and she indicates any pet is subject to sunburn, but predominantly white dogs and cats are the most susceptible. However, any pet with hair loss or pet that lies out in the sun with poorly pigmented skin can sunburn. Just like in humans, sunburned pet skin is red, painful, and scaly. Sunburned pets lick or scratch at the affected areas, and this can lead to an infection and sun-damaged skin on pets can lead to skin cancer, just like in humans. To prevent sunburn, pets, especially those with white fur and those poorly pigmented with little hair, should avoid being in the sun during the hottest part of the day. Providing shade works great, but the pet must use it, so you may need to confine the pets to a shaded area. A good question is, can you use sunscreen on pets? And the answer is yes, you can and should use it. There are some sunscreens created specifically for pets, but Dr. Hillhouse indicates using infant sunscreen is also an option. A sunscreen used on pets should be fragrance-free, non-staining, and waterproof. The Food and Drug Administration has not determined SPF values for pets, but the SPF should be at least 15 or more. Avoid all sunscreens containing zinc as licking the product could be poisonous to pets, and avoid products containing octyl salicylate in cats. The sunscreen should be applied every four to six hours and applied to all areas with decreased pigment and hair. Shade may be the only option if pets lick off the sunscreen immediately after application. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Over a million dollars has been pledged to help monarch butterflies. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. The federal government is pledging more than a million dollars to help protect and conserve monarch butterflies and other pollinators. At the first-ever Monarch Butterfly Summit in Washington, D.C. last week, the U.S. Department of the Interior announced it will award a million dollars to the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation's Monarch Butterfly and Pollinators Conservation Fund. The Interior Department reports the public-private partnership will focus on the western monarch butterfly, improving the availability of high-quality habitat, and increasing the capacity needed to expand conservation efforts into the future. The partnership will also support the implementation of technical assistance to engage landowners with pollinator conservation practices on working lands. The goal of the program is to help reverse recent declines in monarch butterfly and other pollinator populations. At the Monarch Summit last week, officials from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced they will establish a pollinator conservation center to address the decline of pollinators, including monarchs. 
Staff will work with other FWS programs and other agencies to improve science and direct conservation actions that can reverse monarch population declines. In 2020, Western monarch butterfly numbers dropped to all-time lows. At that time, 1,900 overwintered in California. In 2021, there was a big improvement, about 250,000 overwintered along the Californian coast. According to Fish and Wildlife, a number of factors, including habitat loss, drought, and extremes in temperature, have contributed to the decline of monarch butterflies over the last few decades. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw mostly lower trade in the cattle markets on Tuesday, but the grain markets bounced back higher. We'll look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, 897-2474. Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle markets traded mostly lower on Tuesday. We ended up closing lower on both live and feeder cattle with the exception of that nearby June live cattle contract. It's very lightly traded, about to go off the board. It was up a nickel. It closed at 136.30. August live cattle dropped 75 at 132.72, while October was down 72 cents at 139.40. A higher corn market pushed the feeder cattle market lower on Tuesday. August feeders down 230 at 171.82. September feeders down $1.85, 174.95, with October down $1.42 at 177.50. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday. Some feedlots in the south asking 140 this week. No asking prices reported from the northern plains. Boxed beef prices mixed Tuesday choice down $1.75 at two sixty six ninety three. Select up four cents two forty five twenty eight. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Auctioneer Troy is helping old Kenny Mingus get the cattle sold. They did that this last Friday in Cameron. Kenny, how'd it go? Well, it was a good one, Larry. We had a total of 3,029. Out of that mix, we had 772 cows and 56 bulls. Walk the pins with us, Kenny. With the steers, under 300, 130 to 207 and a half. Three to 400 pound steers, 110 to 202. Four to 500 pound steers, a dollar to 196. And over 570 to 177. On the heifers, under 300, 135 to 177 and a half. Three to 400 pound heifers, 105 to 175. Four to five hundred pound heifers, ninety-five to one sixty-five, and over five hundred sixty to one fifty-eight. On the Packer cows, they took some money off of them. Some of them did, but some of them stayed steady. So the high yield 
Heisman cows are still good from 40 to 95. Packer bulls the same from 70 to 118. On your bred cows from 350 to 1050, and on your cow calf pairs 700 to 1650. Good. Now we will not have a sale this Friday, correct? That's right. No sale this Friday, and uh, we'll come back on the eighth. I think we'll be start receiving cattle on the seventh, and uh, pray for rain. That's all I say. We'll do our best. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny Mingus. You bet. Catch us at the office. We'll be in and out due to the holidays at two five four six nine seven six six nine seven. Follow us on our webpage at Milam County Livestock Auction dot com or catch us on Facebook. We hope everyone has a safe and a happy Fourth of July. We appreciate your business and let us know what we need to do to help you. We'll do our best and we'll talk with you after the holiday. Sounds good, Larry. Thank you so much. And neighbor, thank you too for listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble and I love doing this so much. Guess what? I'm going to do it for you again tomorrow. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finish lower on Tuesday. July hogs down 25 cents, 109.92. August down a dollar five. 103.82. Class 3 milk steady to higher. June milk unchanged at 24.33 a hundredweight. July milk up 22 cents at 22.65 a hundred. The bleeding continued in the cotton market. Another sharply lower trade on Tuesday. The same factors that we've seen for the past two weeks. Just a weakening overall economy around the world and fears of a recession really putting pressure on this market. October cotton dropped another 176 points on Tuesday. It closed at 101.39. December cotton down 57 points to close at 93.48 cents. However, the grain market saw a bounce back on Tuesday. I guess you can call that a turnaround Tuesday. They turned around higher. July corn up 15 and a quarter, 759 and a half. September corn up eight and a half, 669 and three quarters. With December corn up six and a quarter, 659 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat had a good bounce back on Tuesday. July Kansas City wheat up 11 cents, 983 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up 17 and a quarter, 921 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas was unchanged at 650. August crude oil up 217, 111.74 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 491 points at 30,946. The Nasdaq down 343, 11,181. The S&P down 78 at 3,821. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.